You are now listening to the smooth, mellifluous sounds of Red's Room Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode number 31 of the Red's Room Podcast. I'm your host, Red. And I'm your co-host, Jake. And today we are talking about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Fuck yeah, we are. And boy, is it freaking epic. Okay. Uh, as always, our references are in the episode description. Check them out. If you care. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what is the uh, Epic of Gilgamesh? It is a the oldest fictional story. Yeah. Supposedly fictional. Might be totally true. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. We'll let you judge that. But yeah, the oldest fictional story. Um. I'm going to read a little quote from the Epic of Gilgamesh in a translation by N.K. Sanders. Yeah, that Sanders. I have no idea who that is. Uh, from uh, uh, Penguin Books. Okay. Says, I will proclaim to the world the deeds of Gilgamesh. This was the man to whom all things were known. This was the king who knew the countries of the world. He was wise. He saw mysteries and knew secret things. He brought us a tale of the days before the flood. He went on a long journey, was weary, worn out with labor. Returning, he rested. He engraved on a stone the whole story. And that is how we get the tablet of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. Thought that was a cool quote. No, Wanted yeah. To start with it. It is a cool quote, and you're going to get into it here, but we have another instance of Sumerian tablets here. Yes. And it seems like in the past couple we've done, a little bit maybe with the stoned ape and then a good amount with the mushroom and the cross, that Sumer is just... They were super OP and super ahead of their time. Me and Red were talking about yeah. this earlier. Yeah, yeah. It was the spot. It it's the the oldest known human civilization. Yeah. Uh-huh. Me and Jake think there might be some older ones. Yeah. We just haven't found them yet. Mm-hmm. But it's the oldest one on record. Uh the first written language. Yeah. And in the Sumerian, first yeah. yeah, and in the first written language, we find this tablet mm-hmm. of Gilgamesh. And it is Big shout out to whatever fucking historian, archaeologist, this group of people that piece this together because I would assume that this was a huge pain in the ass, you know? Yeah, we're going to get into some details on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me read that since we're talking okay, about it. Okay, let's do it. Because uh, I think I have that here in the first yeah, couple paragraphs. I was probably getting a little ahead of myself there. but No, all good. Some foreshadowing. <laughs> foreshadowing. Uh, Gilgamesh is the semi-mythic king of Uruk best known as the hero of the Epic of Gilgamesh. That was about 2150 to 1400 BCE. The great Babylonian poem that predates Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey by 1500 years, and therefore stands as the oldest piece of epic world literature. Mm-hmm. Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh features in several Sumerian poems, but is world famous from the Mesopotamian epic. Historical evidence for Gilgamesh's existence is found in inscriptions crediting him with the building of the Great Walls of Uruk, modern-day Warka, Iraq. 
Okay. Which is the story? Uh, are the ta- um, are the ta- uh, that's weird? Are the tablets upon which he first records his quest for the meaning of life? He is also referenced in the Sumerian King List, 2100 BCE, and is mentioned by known historical figures of his time, such as King. Oh, bear with me. We're gonna try our best King here. Eben Beregezi of Kish. I think you nailed it. 2700 BCE. Besides the legends which grew up around his reign. Thanks for the gas, bro. <laughs> uh, that was a tough one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the most complete text of the Gilgamesh epic is on 12 incomplete incomplete Akkadian language tablets found in the mid-19th century by the Turkish, Turkish Assyriologist Hormuzd... Razam at Nineveh in the library of the Assyrian king Ashurbanipal, okay, which reigned in 668 to 627 BCE. The gaps that occur in the tablets have been partially filled by various fragments found elsewhere in Mesopotamia and Anatolia. One thing I feel like I had to clear up because I feel like there's definitely some listeners that don't know what the fuck Mesopotamia is. Yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Mesopotamia is a historical region of West Asia situated within the Tigris-Euphrates River system. And uh, today, Mesopotamia is known as present-day Iraq. So just to clear things up for y'all, that's where kind of yep. the area we're looking at here. Here's a side note for you guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I didn't research this one, but I'm pretty sure when uh, Saddam Hussein was in power, he was rebuilding the walls in these ancient oh cities. Oh my god! Yeah, that's kind of insane. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude! <laughs> Who knows what other treasures have been blown up in that place, dude? What what has been blown up and what still hasn't been found? There's yeah. definitely there's got to be some like buried treasure. In that oh, fucking area. I am sure of it. We need to get, uh, I don't know how far LIDAR can go down, but we need to get some type of aerial scan over that area and find whatever the fuck cool shit is still in there. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. If if only human beings could just work together and we can just uh, yeah. dig into these uh, uh, amazing historical, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our ancestors, our, yeah. you know, our lineage the the legends you know i want to know what's down there like i've kind of said before though with like cia classified shit and like redacted shit like if they do like bury up a bunch of cool shit we we ain't gonna see it dude that reminds (laughs) me i saw a tiktok short of that they found gilgamesh's body there and it was like seven feet tall i mean it it's one of those TikToks yeah. that looked totally real, but who knows? Yeah. It was, I was, I want to believe. It reminds me it of was like cool. uh, those alien bodies that were recently, those alien bodies that were discovered recently. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the ones yeah. in Mexico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mexico ones. Yeah, this one looked actually more legit looked, than the Mexico ones. It looked ones. better than yeah. that one. Yeah, and it, here. It, and it said that the U.S. government swept in and, and took, took control oh, of the whole yeah. thing right away. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But, probably total bullshit but it it looked cool dude they showed a close-up of him <laughs> and he kind of like had like the nebuchadnezzar beard i don't oh, know if you know what i'm talking dude, it about was still intact it it looked insane 
Okay. Hey, I do expect nothing less from him, though. He better be looking badass. Oh, yeah. He was supposedly two-thirds God. He had to be insane. Yeah, I, I did write that down, too. Me and Red were listening to, like, a yeah. audio version of this. And, yeah, we were like, what a uh-huh. ratio. One-third man, two-thirds God. It's a weird ratio. Yeah, I was kind of saying that, you know, whatever created him made him, like, super OP, but not too OP to challenge, like, the actual God. So he was, like, broken, but just a little, little nerfed, you know? Dude, he was playing on God mode. Yeah, type shit. He, he was basically there. All right, I'm going to read a little more Let's Let's get back on track here. Okay. Uh, so we're talking about, we were talking about the fragments of the tablet. So yeah. In addition, five short poems in the Sumerian language are known from tablets that were written during the first half of the second millennium BCE. The poems have been entitled Gilgamesh and Huwawa. That's one of them. Uh, okay. Another one is Gilgamesh in the Bull of Heaven. The next one, Gilgamesh in Aga of Kish. Uh, then Gilgamesh Enkidu in the Netherworld. And the last one, the Death of Gilgamesh. Okay. So since we had that break there, what they're saying is, is they had one tablet of the Epic of Gilgamesh, but it was damaged. Yeah, and then they had these other tablets, and they used all these tablets, piece it together, and piece together the entire story is what they did, mm-hmm. which which is amazing. Yeah, good work. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so grateful that, <laughs> uh, you know, all the archaeologists and whatever other titles they had did all that. Thank you. I'm just a dumb person who read it. Yeah, some people with... In English. With, I read it in English. Yeah, yeah. On Google. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so anyways, uh, read a little more. Uh, the quest for the meaning of life, explored by writers and philosophers from antiquity up to the present day, is first fully explored in the Gilgamesh epic. As the hero king leaves the comfort of his city following the death of his best friend Enkidu... To find the mystical figure Utanapishtim and eternal life. Gilgamesh's fear of death is actually a fear of meaninglessness. And although he fails to win immortality, the quest itself gives his life meaning. Okay, that was the end of my first section on Gilgamesh. Um, I don't know if you have anything that's going to get into the Enkidu-Gilgamesh fight. No. So no, uh, whatever you got, let's talk about it. I don't have too much here. Should we let them know Inkydu who Inkydu is? So in the epic, and, and chime, chime in because I'm ad libbing. Um, mm-hmm. So Gilgamesh is in the the beginning of the epic. Gilgamesh is already a king. He's already doing awesome. He's crushing it. And he's also fucking everyone's wives, which is weird. Yeah, Enkidu. Uh, and then, but he's plagued by a dream. Gilgamesh is plagued by a dream of an axe falling. Yeah. And uh, he's worried that it's going to, like, be his downfall. Mm-hmm. But then he is told from a, from a god, am I right, his mother maybe? Um, can't remember but he's told that the dream's meaning is that he is going to get a counterpart yes and that counterpart is enkidu Enkidu. yeah who the gods the gods make enkidu and he starts out as a wild 
uh, a wild man. man. Yeah, a wild man. Yeah, uh, out there just hanging out with the beasts According, of the forest. Yeah, not and only he's just he's just frolicking in the forest, just living life amazingly like a stallion. Exactly. Not only that, on the uh, wiki about Enkidu, which will be linked down below, there Definitely. has been uh, suggestions that Enkidu was kind of like a bull man. Okay. Uh, supposedly okay. shown in uh, various Mesopotamian art that is one of the kind of descriptions of what he looks like okay but uh not only that this dude Enkidu he's going up against a fucking two-thirds god in Gilgamesh Gilgamesh no one's been able to fuck with him at right. all in before we get to that yeah, can yeah. I okay. say something about yeah, yeah, Enkidu yeah. before yeah. we move on from Enkidu definitely definitely I, I want to hear what you have to say so Enkidu I, I want to say, I don't know that anyone has made this connection, but it reminds me of a biblical story of the King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. It reminds me of it a lot. And I don't know if that anyone has made the connection. And if there might be nothing there, I might be insane. Uh, but in the stories about Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, um, Nebuchadnezzar goes uh, mad for a time. Um, God places a... a, a curse on him to like yeah. humble him and he goes mad for for a period of i forget how many years and he lives out with the beasts of the field and he becomes a wild man out in the out oh, okay. there yeah. grazing with them and just living like a beast man and that reminded me of enkidu yeah um i don't know if maybe they took some of that ideas from there some inspiration uh, or, or inspiration but to me i saw a connection uh, maybe it's nothing, but I, I just no, want to throw that I, out there. I, I really like that. Um, uh, give us what you had on Enkidu now. Just uh, so he he gets into a scrap with Gilgamesh. Yes, Enkidu, and it is a fucking scrap. Should we tell him why? All right, sorry. No, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Keep chiming you. in, man. Okay, this is, so this is what podcasts are about right here? Just bullshitting. So at first, Enkidu wants nothing to do with Gilgamesh. Uh, but when he finds out that Gilgamesh sleeps with everyone's wives. Oh, that's right. That's right. So basically on the wedding day, if you lived in, uh, if you lived in the city of Uruk and you wanted to marry a woman on your wedding day, that's right. Gilgamesh got to sleep with your wife before you. And then you got to, uh, when Enkidu hears this, he's like, fuck this guy. Yeah. And then he goes and challenges him. No, literally, Gilgamesh was like on some David Koresh, like Waco shit. Yeah, like, all I, um, these women are mine. Yes, thank you, Enkidu, <laughs> for getting in there. Yeah, you're a you're a G. Yeah, uh, you you humbled him, and he needed it. But so they do they they do end up fucking scrapping. They do, and I don't. In the version we listened to, they kind of summarize it as like maybe a, a couple hours scrap or something. But I just imagine like a full on like anime fucking final boss scrap. And oh yeah, I believe how it's said is that it was a stalemate for a certain for a, a long time for a while. Like Enkidu and and up until this yeah. point, nobody could come close they, no to one challenging could fuck Gilgamesh. With Gilgamesh because he was he was two thirds god. Mm-hmm. And then but Enkidu is just holding his own, yeah. and Gilgamesh doesn't know what to do with it. Straight up stalemate. A fat scrap, and then eventually Gilgamesh does get the best. He does. Enkidu. He eventually gets the yeah, upper he hand. He does get the best, but I just imagine for him, even that win for Gilgamesh, I feel like was a slight ego, like downer he for actually, him. No, no, I don't think so. He you, was, you think he was 
Uh, maybe, but I think maybe it was more clarifying. Okay. Because at the end, he was, like, happy. Yeah. In the story, he was happy. Yeah. And then uh, he was just, like, uh, Enkidu seemed kind of crushed that he had to submit. But uh, Gilgamesh was like, no, no, no one even came close. And yeah. then, like, they became brothers. Like, I guess they became you're kind of right. After yeah. It. I guess if it was me in Gilgamesh's shoes, I'd be like, damn, fuck it. I've never went. There'd definitely be some self-doubt there. But Gilgamesh, he still gets the job done. And like you said, they end up kind of gaining respect yes. for each other and, and seems become like bros. They do become bros. And it seems like Gilgamesh um, stops fucking everyone's wives. They didn't say yeah they never mentioned that again so i hope that's what happened as far as i know too didn't uh inky do get some pussy too uh um he did originally sham hot we, we skipped that yeah um but that's part of what got him out of the forest okay gotcha gotcha so just just piecing a few loose ends together there but yeah so um it's a it's an interesting story. We're gonna link it all. So if you want the full story, we have everything linked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically Enkidu, yeah, he does he does uh, get some. He fucks for like six days. It says, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> Dude, man, and that, stamina bar is maxed. It, it, but it all leads <laughs> it, it all leads up to that battle with Gilgamesh, and now mm. they're bros. Yes. And then uh, they go on a epic uh journey they slay the giant humbaba yeah humbaba the terrible the Ooh, that's a good title at least that's what it said on wiki yeah humbaba the terrible in the cedar forest yeah uh and they wanted to cut down the sacred cedar i don't know if any of y'all have played like elden ring or anything but i got what? yeah i got Erd tree vibes the Erd tree they yeah. wanted to cut the Erd tree down literally dude. the sacred cedar mm-hmm. that's insane i didn't get that that's but, a cool detail yeah not just that the uh after that happens the goddess ishtar sends the bowl of heaven hold on before you get to that oh one. okay okay i just wanted to say uh as a note to everyone who might not understand um this bringing so after they they strike down Humbaba in the cedar forest, they took a bunch of cedars back to where they were from. Okay. And where they lived, if you know anything about Iraq, you know it's like a desert, yeah. basically. Yeah, very deserty. Having cedar wood was extremely oh, yeah. valuable. So when they brought back all those cedars, they were they were heroes for that on top of killing the giants. Mm-hmm. So a double win for them. Yeah. Okay, now you you were correct. Let's go into Oh, you're good. So they're next. This that was only the first part of their epic. Now go for it, bro. So the goddess Ishtar sends the bowl of heaven, basically a mythical just beast. Yes. To punish Gilgamesh. Do you for, got why? Oh, you got for, for spurning her advances. Yeah, he would not lay with her. Yeah, and she's butthurt about that. Gilgamesh and Akindu kill the bowl of heaven, after which the gods decide to sentence Enkindu to death and kill him. That's Enkidu. Enkidu. Enkindu. Enkidu. My bad. Enkindu. <laughs> it sounds Japanese. Enkindu. Enkindu. Uh, yeah, Where's your Enkindu. samurai side? So, it? yeah. Gilgamesh wouldn't sleep with her. She sends the bowl of heaven. Mm-hmm. It, and, and then I imagine, like, the constellation, like, sucking together and coming to life. Yeah. And then dropping down. Because they talk about the constellation of the bull. Oh, it, okay. Yeah, yeah, they do in the story. So, yeah. Um, and then that's kind of where 
we got to where you were talking about in the in the next part of the epic. I haven't uh, talked about this part yet. Well, you were talking about Gilgamesh's strive for eternal life. You you kind of Oh, I did mention that. Yeah, that but was they battle the bull of heaven. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you got on the is that all you got? Yeah, that's all the uh fucking Ishtar uh steps in, fucking they sent its Enkidu to death, and that is a wrap for him. Okay. Unfortunately. So to cut it uh um cut it up a little closer, basically Enkidu ends up dying. Mm-hmm. And Gilgamesh that spurns Gilgamesh to start searching for eternal life. Yes. Exactly. Um because he starts thinking of his own mortality with his friend dying, which he was very upset over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that leads him to find a man. Yes. Uh, let me try to read this. Ut Napashtim? Napishtim? Utin Napishtim. Yeah. So Utin Napishtim. Uh, let me read a little of this part okay. because I find this very interesting. Um, Utin Napishtim is the Babylonian, um, in the Babylonian Gilgamesh epic, is the survivor of a mythological flood. Gilgamesh consults with him about the secret of immortality. Utanapishtim was the only man to escape death since, having preserved human and animal life in the great boat he built, he and his wife were deified by the god Enlil. Utanapishtim directed Gilgamesh to a plant that would renew his youth, but Gilgamesh fails to return with it to his home city we find the flood story in the epic of gilgamesh is very similar to that in the bible yep there's also a remarkable similarity between some sagely advice first given in gilgamesh and later in the book of ecclesiastes in the hebrew bible and here is the text from gilgamesh you gilgamesh let your belly be full Keep enjoying yourself day and night. Every day make merry, dance and play day and night. Let your clothes be clean. Let your head be washed. May you be bathed in water. Gaze on the little one who holds your hand. Let a wife enjoy your repeated embrace. Such is the destiny of mortal man. Now, here is it in Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 9. Go, eat your bread with enjoyment, and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has long ago approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Do not let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that are given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. So we find the meaning of what they're saying there remarkably similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we that was find pretty dense. Yeah, no, dude, yeah, definitely. And, and we find uh, that in Gilgamesh, them talking about a flood story is very similar to them talking about a flood story in the Bible, which yep. it was written in the Gilgamesh epic long before it was written in the Bible. 
obviously we don't want to offend anyone <laughs> fucking make your own opinion on it but this is quite compelling. not attacking anyone's yeah, religions at it is all. it is compelling for yeah, sure no uh yeah we find it interesting and we're talking about i thought this was interesting too okay uh Another I, segue here well kind of it, it's talking about um um i printed off the a summary of the flood uh the flood section okay. of Gilgamesh. And uh, I thought this was interesting here. So after the flood is happening, which the god, one god caused it, um, that's that's another difference. In the Gilgamesh epic, there's multiple gods at play. Um, yeah. But after it happens and Utnapishtim and his wife and his family and the animals are in their boat, uh, uh, I just wanted to read this part. It says, uh, the storm continues for six days and six nights. Then as the sun rises on the seventh day, the winds die and the sea is suddenly calm. Utnapishtim unseals the hatch of the boat. At first he sees only water where the plains, rivers, and cities used to be. In the distance, though, Utnapishtim, he can uh, see the only land left, a mountain peak. He sails towards it. Uh, For six days and six nights, he waits to see if the boat will remain on the mountain peak. It holds fast. On the seventh day, he releases a dove to see if it can find land. It returns because the mountain is the only land above the water. Later, he releases a swallow. It can find no land or food and returns to the boat. Finally, he releases a raven. It does not come back, which means it has found other land. So I found that interesting because... uh, I found the six days and six nights interesting, and then the the different birds interesting. It's so similar to the Noah story. Definitely. Um, you know, Noah releases one bird, mm-hmm. and it comes back, and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. But it's interesting the wording is the same. Six days and six nights, 40 days and 40 nights. They were both release birds to go find if there's land. You know, it's it's so similar. I like how he ends with the raven too. I thought, yeah, I actually you know, thought that was cooler too. You know, yeah, yeah. He gets the raven, and then he's like, "All right, we're good." Especially, I I get like Game of Thrones three eyed raven vibes. Like, there's something about three eyed raven. You know, yeah. There's something about the raven that is just gas. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. doubt. You know, the raven's always op. But that was a genuinely cool connection. Yeah, or just just a thing in general, and then you kind of get the connection with the Bible, the Bible's representation of the flood, right. and a lot of it does, at least in my you know p head opinion, it kind of adds up to me. Yeah, and this was written in the oldest civilization. It was written as far as we know. This yes. is the first story ever written. It was written before the Bible, and which uh, is insane. I guess it's a shot at my research, you know? but I didn't even realize that. You told me earlier today, Red, you were like, you know, it's like the oldest fucking story. And yeah, I was ever. like, I was like, what, dude? <laughs> it's the you know, oldest fucking The one? oldest one that we have yeah. recorded ever from mm-hmm. the first civilization. So it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And another interesting thing is every civilization across the globe has a story of a flood. It Religion, uh, like we touched on on... Uh, I think at the previous, the episode before that, not just Abrahamistic religions, yes, like other ones too, where they almost 
always have a flood story. Correct. And this Sumer era epic of Gilgamesh story has it as well. Correct. Which is very compelling. It's just interesting how all of them talk about it. Mm-hmm. Makes you think maybe it happened. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I'm not here to say or to judge anyone on what they believe or think. I just I just like talking about mm-hmm. it. Anything else you want to cover before I get into a couple interpretations? It looks like you might have one as well. This is my wrap-up at the end, so yeah, go for it. So um, at least I was kind of thinking, because I guess I couldn't come into interpretation myself, I looked up just, you know, what are the interpretation of this story? Like, what's the point? So I got two of them here. This is from Literary Analysis. Exploring issues of friendship, morality, heroism, and humanity's relationship to the divine. It lacks the expected happy ending. Rather, the epic is a cautionary tale identifying man's failings without providing much hope for the future. Which, I can kind of see it, you know? The idea of Enkidu dies, fucking... I mean, I guess really what good comes from it other than kind of the... Yeah, really, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't find any immortality. In, he, which I'm going to get into in a sec here. Okay, sorry, yeah. Uh, the next interpretation I found into, which gets into that in, uh, immortality thing, this comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Once again, we'll have it linked down below. But of course, the major teaching from the Epic of Gilgamesh is that death is inevitable. Gilgamesh wastes so much time and energy in a futile effort to find eternal life. He turns his back on family and friends to wander the wilderness in search of something he can never have. Which, it's kind of poetic in a way, you know? Oh yeah, I did want to say that. When he visits uh, Utanapishtim and he's trying to find the secret of of immortality, Utanapishtim tells him to stay awake for seven days. Uh, as a test he says i'll give you three tests to get immortality and the first test is to stay awake for seven days so does he kind of give him and some then, impossible uh, tasks uh well that right away gilgamesh ends up falling asleep after yeah, like a day exactly and then uh but i, I thought it was cool because then he tells him he's like uh gilgamesh was like i failed the first task and then utnapishtim says just like you cannot escape sleep you cannot escape death and I was like, dude, oh, what a bar. Dude, it was insane. I feel yeah, like he just dropped uh, it on him. What's his name? Utamapishtim? Utamapishtim. He is almost like a father figure to Gilgamesh. You know? He's like that old wise. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know. He's got gray hair. Fucking, he's got a dope house. <laughs> he's like, Mr. Miyagi. Ex- <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's uh, the whisperer in Blade. Well, I mean, kind of, because then after that, Gilgamesh fails. He's just like, get out of here i never want to see you again <laughs> he says he says something of like i don't want to see what it is what a mortal man is again yeah he lives in like a secluded place like you can't even get oh, to. oh yeah it, uh, it's like yeah. a year journey to get to this guy uh you can only gilgamesh could make it uh-huh. it's insane uh so yeah but that was a cool line i thought that he dropped on him and mm-hmm. then yeah gilgamesh ends up dying mm-hmm. at his city of uruk which is now in ruin if if yeah. whatever i i wonder what city that is now if that you know or is it has it just if there's been lost even any re- remnants of it well it's over there in iraq but if there's any remnants of it left i don't know it's uh, probably be, blown up now. Be, because <laughs> there was actually a uh a historical gilgamesh mm-hmm. so who knows who the fuck knows man that's what i had on the interpretations i okay. just 
Well, uh, I think this might go along with it. This okay. is my my wrap up. Uh, this is a quote from the book. Um, it says, uh, "Gilgamesh, where are you hurrying to? You will never find that life for which you are looking. When the gods created man, they allotted him death, but life they retained in their keeping." As for you, Gilgamesh, fill your belly with good things day and night, night and day. Dance and be merry. Feast and rejoice. Let your clothes be fresh. Bathe yourself in water. Cherish the little child that holds your hand and make your wife happy in your embrace. For this, too, is the lot of man. It's that same quote. But Mm -hmm. that is, to me, uh, the moral of the story of Gilgamesh is that all you have is this life and you need to enjoy it. I mean, what a fucking bar. I I found something similar on Wiki and you know, it is it almost made makes you want to think a little bit, you know? Yeah. Do we take things for granted? Not to get too philosophical here, but right. you it does make you think, man. And I think cuz when I did just read the Wiki like summary of the story i was kind of like what the fuck is the point of this but when you listen to it more thoroughly and mm-hmm. you get some other insights about it and just the whole background and the characters and how cool some of the characters are it is a cool story i think it's it's got to be up there man but yeah especially that, it being the first agreed yeah and to me yeah that is the what who made that quote like be merry and rejoice for tomorrow we may die yeah to me that's exactly that's the whole ending moral of the story uh another part on wiki it said for when the gods created man thy let death be his share like yeah it's some crazy shit like that and it kind of it kind of resonates with me a little bit i don't know if i'm little tinfoil hatty thinking about that but i don't think so at all i think it is almost legit to me in a way. No, I I like it. It's it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great story. Uh, who knows what if it's real? Gilgamesh was exactly uh, yeah, supposedly a real king of that area, a real person, two thirds god. This was the like deified story of him, which it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of Hercules' story and, and, and exactly. stuff like that. But they they were all copies of him. Exactly. Uh, you know? The wiki literally said that. Did it? <laughs> the epic is regarded as a foundational work in religion and the tradition of heroic sagas, with yes. Gilgamesh forming the prototype for later heroes like Hercules. Exactly. Yeah, and the epic itself serving as an influence for Homeric epics. It makes sense. There's like it the, totally makes sense. Yeah, there's all the labors of Hercules. He tries to get him mortality it's mm-hmm. it's so similar um but yeah it's a great story and the flood narrative was very i found that it was fucking dope. very interesting mm-hmm. so yeah um that's all i got on the subject i think i'm i'm pretty much tapped as well i hope you all enjoyed the episode yeah drop us a comment let let us know what you think uh you know we appreciate it so mm-hmm. until next time i'm red this is jake thanks for listening see ya <laughs>